Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Programming Professional. Today, we're going to ask the question, are you an asset? So, I have some bad news for you. Upper management doesn't really see us as people. Now, I know that might sound a little harsh, and it is based highly off of my opinion, but after 20 years of experience, I think it's 100% the truth. Upper management might see individuals as people in development, but as a whole, the organization is actually seen as a cost to the company. We have to pay for these engineers and these developers to build the product that makes us the actual money. So if they have the product done and are finished adding resources to it, you're no longer valuable. So they don't need you anymore. At least that's the logic that they're thinking. There will always be a need for developers to continue maintenance and to continue working on a product, but you have to understand how that management is seeing you as a developer. You have to know, oh, they don't see me as super valuable. They see me as just another cost they have to pay. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how do you go from being just a cost to being that valuable asset that they have to keep around because you're providing value to the company. So we're either the cost or we're an asset. And the best way you as a developer can really start to understand this concept and start to internalize it is to start to think in the concept of PLs. Now, you might have heard this being spoken about by upper management and finance. They like to talk about PLs. That's the language they're extremely comfortable in. What is a PL? A PL is a profit and loss chart. So, when you look at it, you have two sides. You have those things that are pure profit that bring in money and those things that are losses and they eat your profit. They take away from the total amount of money that the company is making. And if you as a developer can start to think in that concept of, is this making us money or losing us money? You'll start to be seen as more valuable yourself because you're going to start making decisions that are driven by profit, which is exactly the way that those higher up business people tend to think. Now, why do they think that way? Is it because they're completely greedy and money-driven? No, it's usually because of their background. Most of the people running these businesses are not developers themselves. They don't want to build something just for the sake of building something, which I have discovered is the case with a lot of developers and engineers. They just want to build. That's their calling in life. They love building things. And... Hopefully you're that way too, but if you want to further your career, if you want to be recognized for what you're contributing to the company, you need to start thinking like that upper management because that's the thing that they care about. If you're thinking the way that they're thinking, they're going to see you as a valuable asset. So here's some questions you can ask yourself, and these will help you really start to internalize this idea and think about How is what I do on a day-to-day basis impacting this company? Because it's all about you thinking like the company. That's the way that you get ahead in these businesses. You have to understand their needs and you have to understand what drives them. So let's say you're a back-end developer and you're writing a brand new microservice. 
do you have any idea how much that microservice costs to run? Do you know how much traffic it's going to receive and how many instances you have to have running in AWS? All of those things add up. Does it have a database? That costs money. You need to be able to tally up all of those costs and figure out what is the true cost of running this service. If you know that, then you can start to think about, is it really beneficial for me to write this in a way that makes it uh, super greedy on resources? Or should I be thinking about ways to save CPU so I can run on smaller instances? Those kinds of decisions are things that you need to be thinking about because if you make the right decision, your upper management isn't necessarily going to be directly involved in the technical details that you are, but they'll see the costs going down for the for various services and they'll start to question where is this savings coming from and that's where you'll come in you'll say i thought about this and i made these things cheaper on top of how much does it actually cost to run a service you can also think about how much is it going to cost me to build this service you know how much money you make you have a general idea of how much money the people around you make. You can start to calculate, all right, how much is this service going to take us to write? If it's going to take us two weeks of three full-time developers, calculate that out. Three developers times two weeks, take a week of salary times three for N. There you go. So you can start to figure out, all right, when is it that we're actually going to start to make money on these services? Now, if you're building a feature and it doesn't directly increase the value to the customer and you're just building it because you think it's going to be a cool idea, this is the framework that will help you stop and go, is it really a good idea for me to build this? Because if it brings direct value to the customer and it's something that you can hand off to the sales team and they can sell it as a feature that is a must-have for these customers that, that you serve then that is a way that you directly impact the profits of the company. You're building things that customers want. With that in mind, I know that most developers don't have a direct say over what features they actually work on. But if you can get a feature assigned to you from product and you can come back and say, I don't think this is going to drive the value that you expect it to drive because here's how much it's going to cost to run. Let me use an example from the real world. This is from my current company. Uh, we were building a metrics collection system. We build IoT devices, and we want a way to collect metrics and health status on all of the devices that we have deployed out in the field. Now, this sounds like a great idea, and product wanted to be able to see the last 12 months of data for all of these devices. Now, what they didn't realize is that we would be pulling in a terabyte of data a day off of these devices. Now, if you're not familiar with AWS costs, a terabyte of data is pretty expensive. Um, hundreds of dollars a day in costs just to store the data. And every day you're adding an additional hundred of dollars of storage cost. So you can see that that adds up very, very quickly. And so the architects had to get together with product and make them understand you would be co uh, costing the company tens of thousands of dollars a month 
just to store the amount of data that you want to store. And every month is going to add tens of thousands of data. How much value does this bring to the customers that we are serving? And that's when products said, well, this isn't for the customers. This is just for the CEO. Okay, well, make sure he understands that. Make sure he understands how much it's going to cost to give him this data. After talking about it, we decided, oh, 30 days of data is more than enough, and we don't need everything that we were going to collect. Here are the vital statistics. And we brought the costs down from $10,000 down to about $1,000, which is a significant cut in, in cost per month. And so that's the kind of decisions that you can be involved in if you think about how much does this actually cost to run and how much value is the customer going to get out of it. All right, so... Let's kind of shift subjects now. Let's talk about when you have a bug. And they happen, and I know they happen. Theoretically, we should be striving for perfect code, but there's no such thing in the real world as perfect code. Bugs sneak in, and things break. Now, hopefully you're testing everything before you ever deploy it live to production, because you don't want to deploy something that doesn't work to production and bring your entire system down. But... If you do, if you make that mistake, do your customers lose money when you go offline? If you bring the entire system down for 10 minutes, how much money is that costing your customers? Because that is super valuable to understand. Okay. If you bring the entire system down and it's you not affecting your customer's profit, how much is it affecting your profit? As a company, not you personally, but as a company, how much is it affecting your your company's profit? Are you eating into your profit by being down? If you are, you need to understand those things so that you can understand the true cost of bugs getting into production. Because if you understand the true cost, it makes you much more weary about pushing a bug out. So I've been involved in several big outages at some of the companies I've worked in. I have either been directly responsible for writing the bug earlier in my career or been pulled in to fix a bug written by someone more junior. And I can tell you they're super stressful situations. You don't want to find yourself in them. And they get you right in the view of upper management. They see you are the one involved in this. And it can hurt you if you're the one who made the mistake. A lot of companies now have this no-fault uh idea that, oh, well, no one is actually to blame for this, but I can promise you upper management doesn't quite see it that way. They see you are the one who cost them X amount of money. In the worst case, I released a chunk of code that ended up bringing down a part of the Amazon website for five minutes. Now, I don't know the exact numbers, but in a five-minute period, if the Amazon website is down, they could lose potentially $5 million or more in a five-minute period because they're the world's largest retailer. So if you're involved in something like that, it makes you look really bad. So you need to take a step back and think, okay, is this going to be something that benefits my company if I push it out right now? And if I push it out right now and I'm not thoroughly convinced that it's bug-free, what is the risk? Okay, so we've talked about releasing bugs and 
you being responsible for them, but have you ever been the one who fixed a bug that was costing your company money? If you are, that actually will help you in the long term, because as I said, upper management notices those kinds of things. If they're losing money because of some bug that has creeped into the feature set and you're the one who fixes it, they're going to take note of that. It might not be an immediate walk up to you and shake your hand and say, thank you so much for saving me $100 a month. But they will take note. And if you're constantly involved in those kinds of fixes, it can help you out. And that's what makes you look more like an asset than a cost to the company compared to some of the other engineers you work with. Okay. You have to start keeping track. What is your personal PL? What are you bringing into the company as profits and what are you losing the company in costs? So if you have an idea of that generally, you don't have to know the exact numbers. No one knows the exact numbers of their own personal profits and losses because it's all based off of are my features valuable to customers and how many customers are using it? And that's hard to keep track of when you're on it, when you're in the trenches and you're building software. But you can have a general idea. Am I building features that generally help the company make more money? Or am I causing more problems than I'm solving? You have to start keeping track of that because if you can keep track of that, you can shift your table to being more helpful, more profit-oriented, and become a true asset. And being an asset makes it so much easier for you to walk into your manager at at the time of the year when when you're going to get your evaluations and say, listen, sir or madam, I am valuable. I am an asset. I have done these things this year, and you should know what those things are because you're keeping track of them. Here are the things I've done that are great for the company and have brought in more money directly. I would like a raise. I would like a promotion. And it's really easy to have those conversations once you're at that level. Well, that's it. That's all I have for today. I just wanted to make sure that you are thinking in terms of what is beneficial for your company. Because if you are, you're going to be helping your company. Okay. And if you're helping your company, they're going to help you back in return. As I've mentioned previously, companies are generally selfish and self-centered. And if you're doing something that's good for the company as a whole, they'll do something for you in return. Okay. This has been The Programming Professional. I'm Chris Franklin. If you have any questions, if you want to hear any specific topics, or if you're looking for someone to mentor you or help you through any problems that you might be having in your own career, please shoot me an email. My email is me, M-E, at chris-franklin.com. And I'll, I'll willingly answer all of your emails for you. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to speaking with you again.